0: Welcome to the Declaration Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor John Cheryl. For more information about Declaration Church and other resources, visit declaration.org. Okay, week three. How's everybody feeling? You doing okay? Oh, come on, Declaration Church. You doing okay? We have much to be thankful for. So in the last two weeks, we've been talking about our identity in Christ, who we are in him, what we possess in him. We focused on making sure that we were planting from what we possess, planting from what we possess in him. We cannot give what we do not have. And if we're going to be a people who are about the work of Jesus and planting life, it's important for us to know who we are, who we belong to, what we possess in him, and what, that we are chosen and, and what we are called to be to know that we're chosen, that we are created for this, for such a time as this, we are created for this, to know what we're called to be. And that's some of the things that I've been saying. You know, listen, I really believe this. Jacob said it, you're gonna hear it later in the message, and he and I didn't talk about that, so it's pretty cool that you know that God is moving when, when all of a sudden he says an exact phrase that I wrote down. You matter to God. And, and you're not just put on this earth for boring purposes. You are not just put here to exist in imperial oaks or spring trails or benders landing or harmony or wherever it is you live to just exist and just kind of live you know make a living just do this thing you were created to be a movement to carry fire you carry the glory of god and god wants to use you to make a difference who doesn't want to make a difference Who doesn't want to make a difference? God wants you to partner with him to plant seeds, to sow seeds, and you reap what you sow. And so that's kind of some of the things that we've been talking about. It's important to realize who you are in him and what you have so that you can plant from what you possess. One of the most important things that we need to believe and to receive this morning is this true statement that I just said. You matter to God. In fact, say, I matter to God. You matter to God. And today, as we continue, I want us to turn our attention, because the last two weeks, we really talked about us, right? Like what we're created for, et cetera, et cetera. But I want us to turn our attention to others for the sake of others. If we're planting seeds for the sake of others, we turn to others. So I want to begin today by asking a question that most likely you've heard this question before, and here it is. Does your heart break for the things that break the heart of God? Think about that. Does your heart break for the things that break for the heart of God? Now, what I'm not talking about is if we were to show a a commercial with animals and Sarah McLachlan singing in the background, I mean, that's sad, right? No. I'm glad that you're moved by that. (laughs) I'm, I'm always like, this is so terribly depressing that I'm looking at this poor little puppy as Sarah sings, right? I mean, I can't even listen to Sarah McLachlan anymore without seeing puppies. But... But deeper, I mean, does your heart truly break for the things that grieve God? And, you know, we could, we could spend a lot of time even outlining what maybe some of those things are, but I probably don't have to do that. You probably know some things just off the top of your head. You know, when I was in college, every day I would drive to campus, and, um, and not because I was just super holy, but finally God just got a hold of me. That's it. And um, early in college, I would take off. I would start my drive to campus. It took me about 15 minutes to get where I needed to be. And for 15 minutes, I would pray. And I would pray some of the same things every day. But I would pray, God, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? God, would you allow me to see people the way that you see people? Would you allow me to look at people the way that you look at people? You know? Um, would you allow me to give, to have your perspective? Give me the very mind of Christ. Not just I'm just praying for wisdom, but yes, give me the very mind of Jesus as I walk through my day and as I do relationship and meet these people and get to know them and befriend them. And, and then all of a sudden I found that things began to be a little bit different. See, when I got to college, I got really driven. In fact, I told Kelly not long ago, I said, it's kind of sad. I don't really remember much of college, not because I was really living it up in college, <laughs> but it's because I got so driven to get out of college so that I could be about doing what I knew I was called to do. And so, you know, the things that you would think that you would do, like, well, let's go get involved in all of the different student ministries. I did that first year. But then the second year after I began to pray that dangerous prayer over and over and over, I found myself looking at this this opportunity I had going, you know what? The Baptist Student Center and the Methodist Student Center and Chi Alpha and even um, I actually led worship in the Catholic Student Center once. I mean, all these different student centers that I was being able to plug into and minister in, I began to realize this is not my mission field. God did not send me to Sam Houston State, eat them up cats, so that I could just sorry i mean i had to i feel so lonely most of the time it's such an aggie driven world right but see i mean you can't even hello i do have a great joke (laughs) um but you know i mean he did not put me at sam i might tell it um he did not put me at sam houston just for that now one could make a case well john that's your training ground that's when you start doing yes but you know what my heart began to beat differently for different things and all of a sudden, I found myself desiring to spend more time in the speech communications building because that's where I realized there were people who didn't act like me, didn't speak and talk like me, didn't look like me, didn't dress like me, didn't some of them smell like me, didn't, and I smell good, y'all. I wear some patchouli. With, I'm just playing. But they just, they didn't. And so therefore, you know, it was like I, I just realized, man, there was, there's, there's more to college than this. And you know what? God began to break my heart for certain people. And I don't even have this in my notes, and i got to watch my time, but I'm going to name them Jim and Allison. Jim and Allison dated all through college, and, man, they were tough, tough people. I mean, like, they would use a certain four-letter word for a comma, right? (laughs) I mean, it's not people that you'd bring home to hang out for family dinner because your parents might straight up have a Baptist heart attack and die a Baptist death, you know? I mean, it just... (laughs) Sorry, pass the okra. I mean, you know, um, there's just no good convenient way. And so, um, but Jim and Allison, um, you know, I began to be really good friends with them. And it wasn't long until they began to ask me some questions. And again, I'm not saying this so I can paint this rosy picture of who I was. Trust me, I had my issues. But something began to, the tide turned just a little bit and they began to really trust me. And then they would make these statements like, I've never met somebody like you. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, because honestly, the first time they said it, I did not understand, what, why, what do you mean by that? I've never met a, a, someone who's a Christian who would, first of all, even hang out with us. And you know what? That broke my heart. That broke my heart. Now, in my upbringing, what, would, what should have broken my heart was the fact that they cussed like sailors and drank and smoked like it was just going out of style. That's what I was told that it should break my heart. That's not what broke my heart. What broke my heart is the fact that they would look me in the eye and heart to heart build this relationship and say, I've never met someone like you. Someone like you never wants to hang out with someone like me. Can I tell you something? If we're planting seeds of life, if we're not encountering the people Jesus encountered, if we're not ministering to the people that Jesus ministered to, if we're not attracting the people that Jesus attracted, we're probably not preaching what Jesus preached. And so does your heart break for the things that break the heart of God? That's the question. Does your heart beat fast for the things that makes God's heart beat fast? Are you passionate about the things that God is passionate about? I can tell you this, just as you matter to God, once you believe and receive that, please understand this, people deeply matter to God. There is 65,000 homes between I-45 and and I-59. Those homes are full of people who deeply matter to God. What a privilege that we have the opportunity to become the people that they meet, that they may say, I've never met somebody like you. Nobody would ever give me the time of day like you. That's what I'm praying for. God loves people. John three sixteen. you know it. For God so loved the world. If you don't, just watch football today. You'll see it. For God so loved, it's like it's the only Christian verse that we all know. John, no. for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. God loves people so much that He gave His only Son. He was willing to sacrifice His only Son. I love my boys and I love you, but this would be a hard decision. Actually, it wouldn't be too hard. I'm just not that holy. I love you, right? But God loves people so much that he was willing to give his only son for the exchange to take place, for there to no longer be separation, for there to be the knowledge of grace and truth and hope and love and assurance and, and all those things that the human soul and the human condition craves and longs for. Look at the news for 10 seconds. It's not about politics. It's about the depravity of the human soul craving and longing for the affection and the attention of God. That's what it is, and God loves them. Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. Life was God's idea, and life was God's agenda. Your life matters and was created by God. You were God's idea. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not a whoops. Look at that. No, you were God's intentional design. You are his agenda, and if God thought through time and space and had you already in heart and mind, surely he has purpose for you. He's got plan for your life. From Genesis to Revelation, the story of the Bible is the story of life. From creation to temptation to brokenness to separation to promise of restoration to fulfillment to death and resurrection, redemption and restoration and finally renewal of all things. The story of Scripture is the story of life. Life was God's idea, and life was God's agenda. It just was. Somebody say yes. The concept of life is not a political football or a side of the aisle talking point. We're gonna be so much better in, in just our mind frame when we stop listening to the political talking points. Stop it. Zoom out. Ask God to change the frame. Look at it through the perspective of the Christ or the eyes of Christ. Life was God's idea and God's agenda. And it's, most, it's God's most prized creation, by the way. Did you know that? He is most passionate about life. He was the originator. He was the author. He planted and cultivates life, and he calls us to be about his ideas and his agenda and his business. We are to be the hands and feet. We are that vessel, that carrier of his glory and his passion and his love to a world who craves his affection, That's us. That's our part. And we have this privilege to join him in planting life in friends, in people, in family, in our neighbors. I love, I mean, all throughout scripture from Deuteronomy on, I mean, there's four or five different places where we see some of the same language. We're going to look at Luke 10, verse 27. It says this, you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't believe just because when I lived at 22 here in Hollow, that only meant 24 and 26. Or maybe 25 if we liked them on tea days, right? Across the street, put your garbage cans away. That was us. I'm sorry. I apologize. I repent. We always got letters for that. We were not good woodland citizens. <laughs> but neighbors, I mean, all of those that God places in the, the proximity of your ability to touch... And we live in America where 98% of the world's wealth legitimately exists in this room. We have the capacity to touch the world. So the world is our neighbor. And scripture says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor. This is the most important thing that Jesus kind of hinged it all upon. You can be religious, you can have dogma, you can have duty, you can have the right habits. But at the end of the day, if you do not love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul, and your strength, it's all vanity. You're all doing it for the wrong motivation, the wrong reason. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor. Do you desire to see your friends and neighbors know life, both eternal and abundant? Do you desire to see your friends and your family and your neighbors be enter into this relationship where they intimately know Jesus and they find freedom and they discover their God-given purpose and then step in to make eternal differences? Do you desire for that? And here's the good launch pad. Here's the good starting point. You love God first. You first. You first. You love God so much. You love him with all of your heart. You love him with all of your soul with all of your mind where the battle is constantly raging. That's why last, or was it last week or a couple weeks ago, I was like, sometimes you may be having to beg God hundreds of times a day, Father, captivate the thoughts of my mind, capture my imagination so that those align with my affection. Love him with all of your mind. Love him with all of your strength, with every fiber of your being, every aspect of your life. Love God, and then turn and begin to look around. Then turn and begin to look around. That's the difference between relationship and religion. That's the difference. Love Him first and then look around. Don't look around and hopefully you can catch up. It's the difference between requirement and response. If you grew up in an environment of religion where it was about the requirements in order to... Can I just give you good news this morning? There's nothing you can do. You're not good enough. You're not holy enough. You're not smart enough. You're not rich enough. You're not wise enough. You don't have the right education, even if you did go to A&M. You don't. You need Jesus. So therefore, take away the word requirement, and now with Jesus, look at the word response. Love God first, and then look around. It's the difference between relationship and religion. Look outside of yourself. Look at others. Live this Jesus lived for others. You know, Paul was this interesting guy. We've been reading his words to the Christians in Colossae now for the past couple weeks as we've been discussing planting life. And So today I want to look at a couple of different places. We're skipping around. We're not going verse by verse, but we're skipping around. We're going to look at chapter 2. It's seven verses. We're going to kind of hone in there. And then we may wrap up with a few at the end if we have time. But look at what it says here. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. If you don't have a Bible today, we have some free ones in the back on that table. Feel free to grab one and take that. That'll, that'll be our gift to you, okay? So we saw in chapter 1, Paul lays out this case for the greatness of Jesus Christ, who he is and who we are in him, what we possess in him, and what has firmly been planted in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what we looked at all through chapter 1. I just kind of summed it up. He says it way better than I could. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the mystery what's been planted, what's been sown into us. So today we're gonna pick up with this conflict that Paul has in chapter two, verses one through seven. Look what it says. I'm gonna read it down. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding, And the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, based on all this, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted, built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, So I just kind of want to break a few things down and just look at some things in each verse. That chapter two, verse one, he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have. I want you to know how great a struggle I have, both for you and those in Laodicea, those who've never seen me face to face. I'm struggling for you. My struggle, it's, it's spiritual warfare. It's heartfelt care. It's deep concern. I'm struggling over you. I'm not just thinking about you. I'm not just praying for you. I am struggling. I am doing warfare on your behalf. He has got such deep concern for these people, these Christians in this city and around the surrounding ones. These people, some of them most likely have never met him face to face, ever. He's never seen them with his eyes. He's only heard. He's gotten reports back his ministry it would he sowed seeds right he planted seeds he sent people to these areas he's seeing the fruition of it he's hearing things that are going on and he is struggling in his spirit on behalf of these people that is someone who loves god who understands who he is what he has been saved from and called to who understands his critical mission that he is on and he understands These people, because he loves them. He loves God and loves people. He says, man, I'm struggling over you. I'm struggling. Not just Colossae, but Laodicea as well. None of you may know me personally, but you were the fruit of my labor, basically. You were the fruit of seeds that I planted long ago, both in Timothy and Epaphras. You were the fruit of my labor. Paul is saying, you are a harvest cultivated over time, and I have concern. I have deep care for you. This leads us to ask some questions. It led me to ask questions. Are we willing to hurt for the hurting? Are we willing to struggle over the salvation of some people that live right here in this corridor? some people that you may never have met or seen face-to-face, that you may never meet or see face-to-face, but you are willing to do the real work, you are willing to have such deep, critical care and concern over the salvation of these people, over the restoration of these fractures and fragile marriages, these families who are falling apart, that you would have such deep concern and, and not just offer theology but true empathy when you hear that someone just a mile down the street takes his own life. That you would struggle over them, that you would do the spiritual warfare. Are we willing to hurt for the hurting and struggle? over someone's salvation. Paul continues, I struggle with great concern that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the full, the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Jesus. He's saying that they would be encouraged, that they would be unified, motivated by love, not coercion, but unified out of love, that they would, um, that they would be growing together in the truth and the knowledge of God, full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of who Jesus is. He goes on in three and four, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. This is important. He's saying this because he knows that wisdom and knowledge are important ideas to the Colossian people. These are important ideas to them, wisdom and knowledge. And he's trying to refute some bad teaching that has been leaking in, basically causing trouble for these new Christians. He's, they've been influenced by teachers who told them to seek out the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, but seek them out apart from Jesus. And so what he's saying is, pause, free, watch the time. That is just exactly what's going on right now in the United States of America. Seek it out, but don't do it in Jesus. And Paul is saying the contrary. The only place to find these treasures is in the ultimate treasure of Jesus. He goes on. For though I'm absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Do you love Jesus so much? Or are you willing to struggle over people so to see them come alive, to see them come to know Jesus, to see them find freedom and step into purpose? Out of this deep love for Jesus, have you found that you have such a love for people in general that you're willing to do whatever it takes to sow those seeds of life? No matter who they are, no matter where they live, no matter what color of skin they have, no matter what they posted on social media yesterday, oh my gosh, no matter what political side of the aisle they choose or who they choose to vote for in this very election cycle, you're willing to struggle and love them because we reap what we sow. And when it comes to members of our family, our friends, and our neighbors, we have got to keep that in the front of understanding. We reap what we sow. If we sow love, we reap love. If we sow unity, we reap unity. If we sow gentleness, we reap gentleness. If we sow peace, we reap peace. You get the the picture. If we sow life, we reap what? Life. It doesn't matter if people live next door or in a different city or around the world. I mean, what it? What if these people actually live in a cave in the Middle East? And what if they don't live down the street, but it's in a cave in the Middle East? They matter to God. They matter to God. Do our hearts beat for people the way God's heart beats for people? Do we love people? Because God loves people. I had to ask myself this question. Are we willing to count the cost and do what is necessary to plant life? Because this is what God desires, calls, equips, and empowers us to do. Are we willing to go there? Are we willing to count the costs? I mean, for many of us, we started in this journey. Maybe some of you didn't really know exactly what you were getting into. But for many of us, that looks like um, dream team. It's a small, it's a small piece. It's a small piece. Saying, yeah, I want to be a part of Dream Team. Not because we should or we have to. Someone's got to set up. That's not what it's about. It's about saying, you know what? Because I'm saved, I'm going to serve. Because I love God, I love people. Because I realize that's not just a chair. That is a container of a human life that has a human destiny. And it's got legacy attached to it. And when that person sits in that container that was designed just for them, God might do something that is going to change generations of their family forever. Being a part of Dream Team is just a small thing. But for some of you, you said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to count the cost. I'm going to say, yes, I'll serve. But I'm hoping and I'm praying that, that we call it Dream Team because we want you to live into the dreams that God places into your heart. We want you to, to get in the lane that you're most passionate about and serve there because we know that when you sow seeds there, it will reap, or it will yield this fruit It's is gonna be passionate and contagious. It's just a small thing, but count the cost. Are we willing to count the cost? Paul wraps up these ideas in six and seven saying this, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. As you receive this gift, this good news, this depth of love, freedom, wisdom, understanding, hope, joy, and life, walk in him, remain in him, abide in him. In verse seven, being rooted And built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Be rooted, add to your desire depth and discipline. Be built up, be established, but keep growing and keep going. The metaphors sound a little mixed up, don't they? Be rooted, but walk, right? Be rooted, but walk. Go deep, but go forward. Sow appropriate seeds because you will reap what you sow. Be rooted because your fruit will be determined by the root. Remember what you were taught and be thankful. That's what Paul says. Don't listen to these people telling you not to do it, not to seek Jesus. That's counterintuitive. That's crazy. Jesus is the only place where real wisdom and understanding come from. Remember what you were taught. Be thankful for him. You know, um, just in thinking about all these things, this week has been pretty interesting. Um, in two, two different occasions this week, I've had the opportunity to, to, to listen to and to learn more about two different ministries that are just happening right here in our neck of the woods. One of them is a ministry um, that really kind of deals with the orphan and the abandoned and, and, and um, foster kids and adoption. And, and, and I just thought, I started thinking about it. Listen, the story of adoption usually begins with a story of abandonment. It's not, you know, it's a hard not life where everybody's dancing around with mops and red hair, right? <laughs> a story of adoption usually begins with a story of abandonment. It's a story of the least, the last and the lost. And 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 really it's it's all of our story before we know Jesus. And he adopts us into his kingdom. And so this ministry pops up on the grid and I I sat with um, a lady named Cindy Miracle and she was telling me about, I love that her name is Cindy Miracle and she works in adoption. But she was telling me about this ministry called Love Fosters Hope. And as I listened to her talk, I realized, you know, the 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 story of adoption is really the gospel story. It is because it's our story. It's your story. It's my story. And I realized, you know, every day there's countless numbers of kids globally, but also just right here in our backyard, a countless number of kids that are left abandoned to go to foster care or wherever else. Some of them end up getting trafficked and all kind of stuff. So Teddy Seagos here. Teddy, where are you at? I know he's here somewhere. Teddy's here. Um, I texted Greg Johnson because Teddy is actually Greg's student pastor and I just did a selfie. And I was like, ha ha, look who's at our church today. Anyway, come on up, Teddy. I wanted just to give you three minutes real quick about Love Fosters Hope, because it's just, it's just, it's, to me, it is a physical picture for the sake of others. When you count the cost, it's a physical picture for
1: the sake of others. So
0: welcome, Teddy, will you? Thanks.
1: Thanks, thanks. And now that you give me the mic, I've got three minutes, or like 90, right? No? Okay. No, yeah, I'm, uh, my name's Teddy, and I'm here to talk to you a little bit about Love Fosters Hope, and why exactly it's named Love Fosters Hope. As you know, there's a growing community of foster kids in Montgomery County and in the Texas area, and the need is great, and it's growing. And Cindy Miracle, who John got to meet, has this passion and this drive to reach this group, to find a way to serve them and grow them and give them the best foot forward. And how she did this is she's created Love, Fosters, Hope, and Love, Fosters, Hope does a couple different things. One, they provide camps to foster kids. Two, they provide mentors. Three, they provide educational support. And for they help those who age out of the program. Why they do this is because they see the need and they have this desire. They love God and they know God loves people. And so they love people. And that's Cindy's cry. And how she does it is she needs your help. On October 22nd, we have Love, Foster, Hope has what they call Run for Hope. And it's a one-mile, 5K, and 10K run. And all it is is just to support the foster kids, to come out and donate your time or your effort or even just your soreness to this run. And what that looks like is that we need runners, obviously. We need sponsors, and we need volunteers. So if this is something you might have a passion for, if this is something you might tug at your heartstrings a little bit, or you might be wanting to learn even just a little bit more about, I'm going to be over here at this table. Christina and I are going to be standing there, wanting to give a little bit more information about that program. But let me tell you a story about a kid. His name is Branson. And Branson was in the foster care system, and he finally found someone that he connected with and he loved. And this foster mom, he was growing and he was really excited to join her home. And then she died. Soon after, he was kind of placed back in uh, the system and he found that he had a sister and he was so excited to meet his biological sister. And then she was murdered. And you can't imagine, or maybe you can try to wrap your mind a little bit around the loss and the pain that he felt. And so he was put with this other foster family and they weren't ready. They weren't ready for the amount of grief and pain and suffering that this young man was going through. And so they pushed him back and they said, we can't handle it, we're out. And they put him in the emergency care system. And that's when Love Foster's Hope heard about it. Branson was one of the kids who had been to camp before and immediately Cindy reached out and said, no, come, don't be in that emergency system. Don't go to those homes, but come to every single camp we have and help and serve and be a part of this community, be a part of this family. And at the end of these camps, he wrote a poem, and they have a talent show. And he stood up, and he read a poem that said, A Home Found Me. And you can imagine the staff and Cindy were like, what? What do you mean a home found you? You can think about it. This kid doesn't have a home. He's completely homeless. He's been pushed around. He can't find a place to be rooted. And he writes a poem that says, A Home Found Me. And Cindy said, what what home are you talking about? He was shocked, and he said, Love Foster's Hope Camp is my home and y'all are my family the opportunity these kids have to connect and build a community with other people who are have a desire to serve and a heart for the for the broken and the foster kids is an amazing opportunity and i'm hoping you want to step into it branson wrote a poem like i said. I found a home and we're going to show you a little bit of that video this this video is spoken with Branson and the other emerging leaders in the love foster's hope program who are being mentored to be leaders not only in the foster care system but also as they move off to college so I hope you enjoy and I hope you come talk to us afterwards thanks so much
0: a home found me I said thinking to myself in my head
1: why does this happen to kids like me
0: We didn't mean to do anything. We were meant to be loved and cared for.
1: A home found me.
0: Please, abuse, neglect, depression? No need, so I just freeze. I can't believe my eye. There's an eagle up
1: high. He has something in his eye.
0: It says, never give up, never give in. You are not alone. A home found me.
1: People, family, mentors, lovers, they all surround me.
0: I'm filled with love as if a thousand wolves howled for my arrival. A home found me.
1: Who am I to be? I'm a son wrapped in love. Chains are broken, for I am free. A home found me.
0: Sometimes I wonder about the others out there. Are they free?
1: Therefore, I will be a voice to the quiet.
0: So they can shout and take a stand. For what they believe should have been. A
1: home found me.
0: We are the brave the fearless, the joyful, the unbreakable, the peaceful.
1: A nation rising because a home found we.
0: These are our kids. These are kids from our area. That's the face of missions. So today, here's, here's what I, I'm asking of you. This is a small, a small thing. This is just scratching the surface of, of having a heart that, that beats the way God's heart beats or that breaks the way God's heart breaks, right? Because the big picture is, is that God has called us to this area to see these people the way that he sees them. But this is true religion, and James one twenty seven says, true religion is this, that we would take care of widows and orphans in their need. If you feel compelled or called to go learn about love, foster, hope, it's like a small step in the right direction for the sake of others. It's a small step in the right direction for the sake of others. So they've got a table out there. But would you do this? Would you join this declaration journey with us? That one generation would come into the next and declare the mighty acts of God. To be the carrier of fire. I mean, the glory of God. That your heart would break and beat the way God's heart is breaking and beating. That You would love people because people matter to God. God loves people. So it's one small thing. It's just it's it's to me it's the word and deed for today. Anytime you saw Jesus teach in scripture, he was always doing something with it. This is one small thing that you can do if you feel led. If you feel led, okay? We always want to give you those opportunities. Already some of our generosity is able to be channeled into things like this. We're going to be partnering with them in some different ways, so we're excited about that. But there may be something that God is calling you specifically to do, right? Let's pray today and then let's respond to God. Father, we bless you. We thank you that a home found us. And we thank you that we matter to you. We have such deep value to you. You have purpose for our lives. Father, I pray that our heart would break for the things that break your heart, that our hearts would beat fast for the things that make your heart beat fast, God that we would be excited about the things that excite you, that we would love people the way you love people, that we would see people the way you see people. Father, may our worship be met with the response of our lives, saying, yes, we want to plant life. We want to plant life. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for today. We thank you for time with you and with your people. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Declaration Church podcast. We pray many blessings over you and your journey as you declare Him to the nations. For more podcasts and teachings, visit declaration.org podcast.